Welcome back to Coaches Exploring Clarity. Today, we're going to be looking at Chapter 14, The Power of Presence. And it starts with a quote from Walt Whitman, poet and journalist. We convince by our presence. And this one, I don't know for you guys, but for me, when I started getting into this line of work, I kind of had a realization that probably my whole life, I'd never really been present to anything. <laughs> um, huh. And, and uh, in fact, I, I, for the most part, I'd say it was intentional. Like I, I thought the way to win the game of life was to treat it like a chess match, like always thinking 10 moves ahead and planning for all potential outcomes and, I don't know. So I spend very little time in the present moment and most of my time analyzing and planning. And, you know, for the most part, I, in a lot of ways, I think it served me well. But at the same time, when I look back now, I realize I didn't really, you know, you know, stop and smell the roses kind of thing. Like, I, you know, there's just so many parts of my life that um, passed me by without really experiencing them the way that I could have or should have. Yeah. Yeah, and I, as I read that, the thing that came to me, very similar, Greg, that cause I kind of think that most of my past life, I was just completely oblivious to all things. Mm. And, uh, and, and just that Walt Whitman says, you know, we convince by our presence that presence that effect, effectively, if you are present kind of thing, and like me just noticing how I wasn't present to anything really. And and therefore I kind of appeared, or perhaps or didn't appear at all. You become transparent. You know, people don't see you, don't hear you, don't listen to you, mm. which can be very sort of. You know, or guess what happened to me was that I I withdrew, because I start thinking a lot of things like, well, nobody really cares, you know. But it was me that wasn't present. It wasn't mm. the everybody else. Yeah. Mm. Jeez, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of any of that when I read this this uh, section, and that's really interesting because I'm thinking back to times where I wasn't, where you know, where like you said, Greg, you're fo you're focused on the next thing, you know, the planning and the set the goals and do the goals or get the next job or move or it's. It, I think I was I was in the future so much. Mm. I think I probably lived a lot in the future there the next thing, the next thing, without, like you say, stopping and smelling the roses. I have I've certainly reflected on that since, uh, not in this chapter, interestingly. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And how Jamie just then, on the next page, says, like, present is whatever is happening moment to moment prior to your habitual thinking, which just from what you say, Lynn, it's the idea like you're always thinking about something, if not something else. And it often, what well, can be past or present, but it often is, in, in your case, you know, you're saying it, like, what am I going to do next? What's next? What's next? What's next? They're just in that, I'm kind of hearing how often I've done that too. And so you actually, you actually miss the moment it's gone and, and and just again considering the idea of living a whole life like that is, is 
pretty frustrating. And the idea of habitual thinking and indeed how our time passes, perhaps, how deep, how difficult it can be for some people to actually miss it altogether for their whole lives. You know, because we, we think so much and then we think even reading a sentence, well, okay, well, it's prior to my habitual thinking. Well, how the hell do I do that? Mm. <laughs> if yeah. everything I do is so habitual, you know, I, I can't even get near it sort of thing. And yet, of course, I think all of us have in, in some way or, or another with, with the work we do. Yeah. It reminds me when my kids were young, my wife was into scrapbooking. I don't know if you guys have done, went through a, a stint of scrapbooking. Oh, yeah. do, but yeah. like everything we did as a, as a family, whether it was, you know, family get togethers or going to Disney world or whatever, everything was through the lens of making a scrapbook page about it. <laughs> like what, what, what photos do I need to get? What, you know, what, what is it that I want to capture? So, you know, we have a lot of great scrapbooks, but when I, I think back, like, I don't know that my wife really enjoyed any of the, uh, the events or things that we were at because she was always building the scrapbook in her mind of what she needed to collect or gather or what, you know, uh, which staged photo ops she had to create <laughs> um, to make for a good, a good scrapbook. And I think of, you know, We've last few years we've gone to a number of concerts. Um and I catch myself like, oh my god, this is my favorite song. And the first thing I do is I put my phone up and, and try to record it. And I'm watching the concert through this little screen. And I'm thinking to myself, and then I catch myself and go, like, I should just put my phone down and just enjoy being here. Um yeah. like I, I'm I'm so worried about enjoying it later. Then I'm forgetting to enjoy it right now while it's happening. Yeah. I, I that's that, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, I was just gonna say I, I very recently I hardly go anywhere, but I went back to the UK for Christmas and a Rod Stewart concert. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. And then like halfway through Rod's first song, I thought, what on earth are you doing here? <laughs> just enjoy it for God's sake put my phone away and then of course I couldn't find it because at one point you have to put the light on you know and oh, do yeah. you because we don't smoke anymore in yeah, you don't have a lighter <laughs> don't anymore have a <laughs> yeah you don't have a lighter anymore and 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 then I couldn't find it and I couldn't find a way to switch it on so it was like ah damn you know <laughs> missed that bit as well yeah crazy now there's a name I have I mean we could literally watch. pull up we could pull up thousands of experiences like that couldn't we yeah. I mean, really, yeah. every uh, it's only ten past three here now. I bet if I thought not even hard enough, I could think of a few areas today where I've been in that place, not in the moment. Yeah, I already can. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I love these next two paragraphs, and I remember, I remember this example way, way back. I don't know one of the first times that I ever heard Jamie. Um. You know, be talking about being in a situation that that could be wonderful or or might be. Well, and there's your example, Greg. You know, your example of your holidays and for your wife that that could have been a wonderful experience, but she was kind of busy and preoccupied. Yeah, it might not have played out like that for her. And I, I just really like these two examples where it, it demonstrates that it it really is about you know the feeling we're in. It's it's it, 
it's it's just about that you know it could be the most boring situation and you're having the best time or the best situation and you're having the worst time yeah um, yeah i have a friend right now who just had a a, an amazing trip to Iceland that she'd planned this trip for a very long time with another friend and she sent me a message maybe day six or something uh, and she, so she's in her mid to late 50s now you know her life's in whatever place it's in and she sent me a message and she said I really wish I'd come here when my kids were young because I think it would have changed my life and I was like oh no I bet it wouldn't <laughs> like you know like her experience of it now that I and and I will say knowing her because I do know her um her experience of it now there's it's highly likely or possible that at that time had she gone and done that when she was 20 something you know looking at the, the wide open spaces and no people and no noise and whatever you know would she really have appreciated that then with her her busyness or her kids running around and or was it that you know this is where I am and actually appreciating where I am but it was it struck me as funny yeah. Yeah, I'm just right. see go ahead Greg I was going to say I think you're right the the uh more often than not we think we would have enjoyed something or you know the uh you know, we we think things would be a certain way, but you can almost guarantee that it wouldn't work out that way, for sure. I've actually forgotten what I was going to say. No. Okay, my apologies. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Regarding it was regarding something Lynn said, but it's gone out of my mind. No, no worries. There you go. You see, I think I got distracted with the cat. Mm. took me out of my present moment yeah. <laughs> the, the next thing I highlighted was on page 155 there's only ever this moment the present is mm. all there is the future and the past are thought generated illusions illusions that you only ever experience in the here and now I underlined that too um it's, it's, I'm reading, and it's it, it's the whole the whole chapter is speaking to this, I think. Um, but again, this those words particularly underlined again how personally speaking, I find it difficult sometimes to find the now, mm. which is crazy in itself. It's almost a paradox even saying it, but but yeah, that's. But it definitely it struck that it struck me struck me. I actually actually came from that, and I'm actually creating um, a post from those words. <laughs> That's how much it struck me, but I can't quite explain why. I don't know who if it was Jamie or somebody else, but like the idea that it's always now, like that's. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's never anything other than now. Yeah, I remember as well something Jamie said that uh, I think I even then mentioned in my, in my webinar 
which I guess made it just made so much sense to me that it you know that it can't be anything else in the sense that our physical body is always now mm. but if our if our brain or our thoughts are housed within our physical body you know where else can we be and and then you know to that so how how can it look like most of the time we're actually not in the now think about it it's what this uh, I also that was only well, no, I did highlight something else on that page but um, what came to me from that other than thinking about myself and how I get caught up in not the now when when people turn up and they have preoccupation or worry or they're talking about problems they're never they don't turn up and say, right now, I feel, typically people don't turn up and say, right this very minute, you know, this is, it's like, it, it's all surrounding. It's, you know, this happened or this is about to happen or it's this whole preoccupation with what what did go on or what might. It's so, so, so rare for people to turn up and actually talk about what's happening in this very moment because the only thing that's happening in this very moment is they're talking to you that is the only thing that's happening in in that very moment and and sometimes and that's interesting you're smiling Elaine because last week I brought someone back to that and she did that but it brought a smile to her face and she just kind of went she, oh it was really was like an oh moment it was you know like it hadn't it genuinely had not occurred to her that the only thing that was happening in that very moment was she was talking to me. That was the only thing that was happening. And when I pointed it out that she did exactly what you just did there, she had this big smile and it kind of, it was like, oh, <laughs> which I, it's, it's just so curious. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't occur to us until it does. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking, the reason I was smiling then, because as we spoke, was it yesterday? And mm. I answer your call and, and you say, how how are you? And I said, I don't know how I am. But then instantly I looked for something to feel. But actually, if you think about it, we go around being very nice to other people and saying, hi, how are you? When they're perfectly happy actually in that oblivion, which is just that moment, they're actually not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. They just are. You've just answered the phone and that's it. And then we go and ask people how they are. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> <laughs> they were doing fine before you asked them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As it happened in our conversations in something wonderful, but but you know what I mean? In that 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 split second. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I thought, ah, oh, I don't know how I am. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Few things that showed up for me there. One was Lynn, when you were talking about your experience of your client, it's just like that realization, like, oh yeah, I, I don't have to bring that baggage with me, or I, you know, I can just leave it wherever it was. I don't need to bring it into the present moment um, because whatever it is isn't happening right now. Um, I think that's a huge realization for people to have very freeing. I know I've had an experience of that. That was like an enormous weight <laughs> off my shoulders. Yeah. 
and then and then to Elaine's point with the how how are you? It's like yeah, we're we're like putting people into a a reflection of or a judgment of their you know we're asking them to you know evaluate something that yeah really doesn't add any value or like it's just such a um, I don't know a nothing like a habitual thing to ask somebody like a courtesy or I don't know how, however you would describe it, but it's, yeah. it really doesn't. Um, and I think what I'm thinking of is like the way I used to start coaching calls with clients was asking them. So how have you been or how are you? Whatever. Um, but through my training, it's like, well, that's, that's often not a very productive way to start um, because it just spirals into a whole bunch of, you know, stuff that's not even story. Yeah, not happening now. It's more, you know, the the, uh, the clarity approach of what would be helpful for you at the end of this call, or what would you like to achieve as a result of this call? Like, it's a much different way to begin a conversation than yeah. how are you? Because how are, how are you is so backward looking at, versus um, being in in the present and and looking to what you want to create. Yeah. Indeed, because if you, how can you know how you are in the present moment if you are just are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a better question is, how can you know? Yeah. How would you like to be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to try very hard, you know, just in casual conversation, just to say something like, you're looking good. I think that will do. <laughs> the, Hello, how are you? You're looking good, yeah. or something like that, or I don't know. Yeah. Good to see you. Well, even when uh, when Lynn and I first joined this Zoom call, she was asking me how I was, and I was, you know, saying, "Oh, well, I hurt my knee this week," and you know, blah, yeah, blah, blah, there you all go. This stuff. It's like, you know, it, at, in the, in the current moment, my I wasn't experiencing any any pain in my knee, or because I'm just sitting here, I'm not doing anything. But that was, you know, the the that that question brought me to thinking about the last few days and how my knee has been bothering me. Um, anyway, it's, it, it's curious. It's interesting how a simple question can take us seemingly take us to different places, which yeah. is really a surprise as coaches, because we know like our toolbox is questions basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just so interesting because what, what you're, what you're pointing to, Greg, is when you typically when you ask people that question, there are a variety of responses, and I and I I know what mine normally is, um, but it it's probably never what it is. Mm. So you you responded to how were you pretty much. Yeah. You didn't respond to how are you now. You yeah. didn't even respond to that. You responded to oh this week it's been a bit like this. You know when you were sore yeah. whatever. Um, Elaine didn't have a clue yesterday, which was I thought was really cool. Um, in my family, we have a standard response to how are you, which is typically fine because people don't want to talk about stuff. Yeah. It's really, no, my, uh, that's, that's fascinating. I'm thinking, yeah. why is that a standard question when we first yeah. see people or meet up with people or call people? Why is that? Or, I mean, I can I understand with clients. I, I don't think I do ask clients that actually, but you know, with just amongst us, why is that our, our opening question? Mm. It's so interesting, it but it's not the topic sense. of today. <laughs> no, it, 
but it, in some way, yeah, I just I was just going to say yeah. it's it, it's somehow more interesting or or somehow makes more sense as we move into the you know principles of thought, mind, and consciousness and how how the the ori- oriental approach, you know, either the namaste or the sayonara, which has a much deeper meaning behind the greeting. Mm. Um, you know, it's I see you, I respect you, I'm I'm with you kind of thing, it's the namaste. Mm-hmm. And even even uh, I can't remember what, but even aloha in Hawaii has this has a huge meaning behind it that isn't sort of saying, Hello, how are you? It's much more of a I am honored to be in your presence sort of thing. If you think about it, it makes much more sense. You know, yeah. It, yeah. it seems to be a wonderful point of connection if, if connection is also kind of the basis of our work. Um, yeah, yeah, those are more greetings than inquiry, aren't they? That they're, yeah. more, they're more all encompassed. It's like exactly. a greeting as opposed to an inquiry. Yeah. So, so there, is, there can't be any judgment on it. It's it's uh, it's neutral. Yeah, it's just a recognition that you are you are in front of another person. Mm. It's cool. It's somehow much softer. It's somehow much easier. Mm. It does. Yeah. Mm. Then from greetings, well, I liked um, the little box with the distinction. Meditation versus meditating versus meditation. Because um, I've I've been beating myself up for a long time, telling myself I ought to do some meditation, and I I know I'll never do it. But then the the, the realization that it it's not really about the act of meditating or sitting there for hours on end in some for me very uncomfortable position, staring at a candle flame, which basically would bore the, bore me to death. But the idea of entering a state of meditation and and being able to notice that, as I was saying before, when when we called you and I, Lynn, yesterday, and I said, I don't know, that was actually because it was a state of here and now and meditation, if you like. So I I love that distinction. And and in a certain sense, it's one of those things that kind of you think would be good for you, but to me was unavailable because of the way I am, or so believe. And and it just makes, it kind of makes, yeah, it's the, the idea of things being more available to you without having to do something that some, somebody else is telling you to do. Mm. Um, that, that's what sort of struck me about that little, the little box. And it's kind of a nice distinction. Yeah, the, the part in yeah, there that I highlighted was the part right at the end of that box, which is just as realizations are context sensitive, so is clarity. The meditative state you find yourself enjoying will be fit for purpose, bringing yeah. you what you need when you need it. And then yeah. he goes on to talk about the difference between athletes or computer programmers and that their clarity or meditative state is fit for purpose for what they're they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I think what the whole that whole, um, especially the 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 distinction said to me is, um, as opposed to it being a practice, which is what you were 
referring to, Elaine, that, you know, it's it's always available to us. It might not always come up, but it's always available to us. So we don't actually have to, you know, do anything. In front. And I'm a bit like you when I went through all the apps and, and other things and felt like every morning, like, this is something I should be doing. I just felt irritated. It wasn't helping me at all. I'm like, I'm mm. sitting on the floor and I'm listening to something and I know I should be relaxing is what I was telling myself or yeah. I should be zoning out or not thinking. And, yeah, so it's it's always available to us. Yeah. And, yeah. Like like a lot of and that yeah, that's really you said the word, the magic word apps. Recently I haven't been sleeping very well, so I, I end up scrolling and there's these apps come up and they'll teach you how to sleep. And of course I just can't get my head around that for the life of me because the first thought that comes to mind is, Well, what if I lose my phone? Mm. And then I'm stymied, I'm gonna have to stay awake forever. <laughs> and then it just quickly well of course <laughs> If it weren't for contaminated thinking, sleep would be available to all of us all the time at any moment when we so need or desire. And so, you know, that's one in the eye for, for all the apps that, or all anything that is a, a, like a tool or something that looks like it's going to give you something that, that is actually something that is already residing within it. Yeah. And, and and most of the time, the things that we're looking for, the things that we think apps or tools or courses or whatever school is going to give us is always something that we we actually have. Like it's, but we don't look for other things, really. You know, it's sort of like high up on, if you like, if, if there is a scale, it's right up to the, the absolute uh, sense of peace, resistance, class, we're always searching for that. And for me, we're just never going to find it in an app. <laughs> and not it's, so it's far. <laughs> not, not so far, yes. Um, <laughs> were, you think, were you thinking of AI there? Um, no, I, I won't buy into that one. I won't. I won't buy. Not into going that there. One We're not <laughs> no. going down that rabbit hole. No. 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 It's true. No. <laughs> the next thing I'd highlighted was on one fifty-eight. The outside-in misunderstanding is the biggest time thief there is. Mm. The reason that stood out to me is, um, as you probably both know, like time management has been one of these things that I've been, you know. Uh, self-proclaimed expert in, or I don't know, something I've tried to teach my, you know, people that worked for me all these years in, in business. And then more recently uh, did a webinar about time management hacks and things like that. And uh, I see this a lot with my daughter because she's a lot like I was, um, which I'll take full responsibility for training her to be this way. But the the chess match idea, like she's always playing out every possible scenario every permutation and combination of what could happen and preparing for every inevitability. So like, instead of living in, in the now and handling whatever comes up, she's living like 10 lives simultaneously because she's, you know, got solutions or, or uh, contingencies for every possible outcome. And uh, when we've talked about it, I said like, it must be exhausting, like <laughs> um, living so many lives like so so many scenarios all at the same time um and i think about that like this this notion that uh, outside in misunderstanding is the biggest time thief there is it's like 
yeah, like there, there is only 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. But, you know, if you're occupying your brain power with all kinds of contaminated thinking that, that isn't serving you, um, you know, it, it, it's, you're almost living, like I said, 10 days at once. It's, it's, it's a very heavy burden to carry. Um, yeah. And when you can enjoy the now, like when you're, when you're in the now, even if it's not a, um, a joyful situation, just the experience of whatever it is, is just so much more you know, meaningful or tangible. I don't know what the right yeah. word is, but yeah. like it doesn't have to be necessarily a happy experience. But yeah, um, yeah. and that's what's showing yeah. up for me. <laughs> yeah, I totally resonate with that. Um, with the second part of that that uh, paragraph, um, the last part actually. We intuitively know when to pause and when to press on and when to rest mm. and when to proceed mm. when we are not in contaminated thinking. And I, I, I noticed that with, with myself and, and indeed perhaps to an outsider looking on, I would perhaps appear as I'm doing my daily work, let's say, which could involve lots of stuff around the computer, writing, thinking, creating, doing something. Um, you will notice that now I'm several and several at any moment, I'm out on my back balcony, just clearing my head. But it, it, it's not forecast. It's something that like, I, I do something and then I just think, oh, I'm going to have to clear my head now mm. and go off and do it. Because I also know that if I stay there, my head will just fill up even further. And I won't make progress so that the best thing to do is stop. Mm. And okay, so I, I seem to do that a lot, but I've also got over the contaminated thinking around that because it means you're lazy, mm. you're distracted, you're this, that, and the other. No, this is how I work. Mm. And again, that's, that's something about what we were saying before. It's about capturing that moment when you have the clarity to know that in my case, I have to go outside and just look at the space outside. Mm. And I can say it's almost 100% of the time now that as I do that, I just fall into a space of clarity and I can stand out there for maybe two, three, four, five minutes and come back and know what it is that I have to do. And it might just be a line that I have to write, one line. But you know what? Rather than a blank page, one line is just big news for me. Um, and I'm, you know, it's it's getting, and Jamie also says this later on, it, it grows. The time mm. is getting more and the, and the quantity of stuff that I'm doing because of the clear space that I have is getting more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah, it almost expands time. It's, it's yeah. 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 What, what I, I was thinking I, about when yeah. you were talking about your your balcony breaks, I think you might have, you yeah. and I may have talked about this before. Is I, I yeah. had this notion that oh, who knew that smokers had it right all this time? You know, like <laughs> yeah. all these, yeah. apart from the smoking part of it, but the you know frequent little breaks to go and clear yeah. your mind. 
yeah. and uh, and come back and be productive. Yeah. And, and then when you need another break, go to have another smoke, come yeah. back, you're, you're back to a clear mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some, something to be said about that for sure. Yeah. Interesting you say that because as a, as a, an ex-smoker, um, I was a little bit worried about that because I had a feeling that I might have connected mm. to me going to the balcony with the idea of having a cigarette. And I was extraordinarily surprised to find that did not happen. Mm. Um, and I was also worried about, oh, well, I might be drinking thousands of cups of coffee then. And that didn't happen either. And I actually found that I could just go out literally. I just lean on my little balcony to sort of put my hands like that or just lean on it. And I also find that I, I find myself very still, which probably you've both noticed how I move a lot, mm-hmm. even when I'm talking here, you know, my hands are waving around and things. But I actually found find that I go into a, a beautiful place of stillness and I'm not sort of scratching myself or you know, put my finger in my ear or this kind of thing. I just feel very still. And then it's, it's another kind of something tells me, right, time's up now, you can go back in. Mm. I've got an idea I can come back in. And, and it sort of happens all by itself now. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I have a couple of people who are popping into my mind, actually. I'm thinking about the whole notion of contaminated thinking in time and where their contaminated thinking is taking up so much time trying to... <laughs> they're two very different people, but they're, they're the conversation is exactly the same with both of them. It's interesting. Taking up so much time trying to avoid stuff that they have convince themselves they need to do, they should do, and they don't want to do. So they have all this, so much that, I mean, actually last week as, a, as an exercise with one person, we, I, I said it jokingly, and then it turned into a thing, where it was, let's actually calculate how much time that takes thinking about, and a simple example was not doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's a simple thing. And in a week, I mean, the time that this person spends avoid thinking about not doing dishes was phenomenal to the point where she was like, how much time does it actually take me to do the dishes? Just the whole thinking around that, and you know, obviously this stuff behind that, but yeah, the whole notion of how much time that the, the thinking takes up, whether, yeah. whether it's worrying about how to do a thing, how not, maybe not to do a thing, or whatever it is and and the whole just to your point Elaine the, the self-awareness to take yourself up you know to a different place and yeah let it let it fall away really and yeah. get some clarity there's probably a rule of thumb in there somewhere like you know the the actual thing only takes 10 percent of the amount of time that you spend thinking about not doing the thing <laughs> and whether that's the dishes the laundry anything yeah. writing a post doing a video i don't know whatever it is it's yeah 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 a new time management hack stop thinking about not doing it and just do it 
exactly. <laughs> You're wasting your time. I love the way, I, I don't know whether I've just noticed it now. I'm quite sure that this is how Jamie set the whole book out anyway, but I've just noticed in this chapter how, how like, uh, as I, as it's almost like Jamie sort of, as he puts the, the words out there, he's sort of one step ahead. It's almost as if he's kind of just written it as his mind, his own mind is working. And it, cause, because that paragraph for me reads, you know, the, the only thing that could have been next is, is the little box that he put the reality check. Mm. Because indeed, as I was reading all this, although not on by the time you've read it three or four times, it stops happening. And perhaps by the time you've, you know, you've gone through a whole clarity certification course or what are the, all these things stop happening. But I realized that like, yeah, 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 you know, okay, it's, it, you know, you're telling me it's all the thinking and, you know, what happened, What happens if we're not talking about just washing the dishes? Because, like, I've got this problem to solve and I've got my husband to, to leave or divorce or to do something or what else, you know, and as Jamie says, you know, what about problems that need solving urgently or apparently urgency, urgently? And that, just that's that sentence. And again, coming back to a, a sort of common sense. And, of course, we haven't gone off into some transcendental transcendental state of meditation and living out floating around in the clouds because life happens and jamie just says you know life is like any other contact sport you're going to get your knocks so all that's going to happen of course it is that that's what happens in the material world but it's not the knocks that count it's how you handle them mm. and i find that just so beautiful you know it's like ah oh, god you know it's okay we can then 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 it's okay I used to think it was kind of worrying to think, oh, well, am I going to become some sort of angel floating about? And that <laughs> kind of looked at the beginning, like for me, very disconnecting. Yeah. You know, it means if I'm off into this spiritual realm, I'm going to be very different from all those people around me. So it kind of worried me sometimes to read you know, what, what Jamie writes mm. and, and what Sid Banks speaks of as well, of course. But this just... Uh, no, it's not the knocks that count. It's just how you handle them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Back, back, back to this world. Yeah. But, but with a enhanced understanding, of course. Yeah. In that reality check box, I, I, I highlighted the, uh, the part at the, near the beginning where it says there are two things that enable us to deal with any situation yeah. we encounter. Number one, we each have within us a source of security, resilience, and well-being. Number two, we each have within us a source of clarity, wisdom, and guidance. In fact, these things aren't just within you. They are you. Mm. And, and to me, I, that means, you know, and, and I've heard Jamie say this in many coaching sessions with people, you know, the, the problem isn't that whatever you think is going to happen happens. The problem is you think you can't handle it. Yeah. And he closes the loops and, you know, like, you know, not only can you handle it, you're built to handle it. And and with these yeah. two things, you can basically handle anything that, that yeah. life throws at you. The harder the knock, the better. <laughs> like you've got yeah. you've got what it takes to handle it. Yeah. Yeah, that's an an extraordinary message of hope, I think. Mm -hmm. Thinking maybe of people who, you know, borderline depressives or or even worse, let's say that is, I think. 
huge message. Beautiful message. I've heard that many times, and also from some of the some of the stuff that we've all been doing together. But what uh, I wonder the impact if 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 as um, that's resonating with us as we hear that, as we hear it now, and as we've heard it recently, or whatever. But if there was an innate understanding of that when when we were growing up, let's say, I mean, imagine having an innate understanding of that when you were, I'm, I'm thinking of as a teenager, for example, and all the things that go on in our minds as a teenager, the disasters that could befall us and how things can go horribly wrong. And if you, if you really, really understood that that was the case and couldn't be taken away or denied, it's just, it, it's, it seems to me even stronger than hope. It's just, it's so... I don't know, liberating somehow comes to the word to my mind. I don't know if that's the right word either, yeah. but it just feels so huge because it's, well, it takes away fear, which is what yeah. stops so many of us doing so many things. You know, we're afraid of not being able to handle stuff. So we, yeah. And so just to have that knowing is, yeah. I'm not sure why. Go ahead, Sorry, Lynn. Greg. Go ahead, Lynn. It's empowering. Mm. <clears throat> totally. Yeah. Yeah. The the image that came to my mind was like when I watch my son play video games, it's almost like, you know, if only we'd known that there's this cheat code uh, that we could have had unlimited lives and unlimited armor <laughs> and weapons and I don't know what all this stuff in a game that uh, levels you up, you know, like it, it's um you know that that's what that feels like to me it's almost like a you know a real life cheat code <laughs> mm. if you if you know that yeah like invincibility yeah and interesting just thinking of that, it, it's not it's something like candy crush is a game i i play and I, I, it struck me because it, when i which I regularly do, get it all wrong and I've lost all my points and I've been eaten up by all the sharks or whatever it is. It, this little message pops up and it says, you fail. <laughs> well, what is that? But Lana, I've just thought just now, what is it? So there must be something in the app or the way they've set it out or how, or is it in me? Because... Why do I play another game? Mm. And if this, you know, if that's not hope and resilience and resistance and courage, what 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 is it? You know, what the cost you failed, like, <laughs> and yet I play another game. You know, to see what, and I'm saying not to waste yeah. time or anything else, but you know, to to see what I can do this time. Yeah. Now, why do I do that? What is it that drives me to do that? Even though I've been told that I've, I'm an absolute failure, <laughs> and yet I go and play again. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I suspect that all the uh, the smartest psychiatrists or psychologists they work for uh, Candy Crush or TikTok, and they know, they yeah. know what uh, <laughs> what motivates people. 
how to how to manipulate your behavior. Yeah. That's so interesting. So we wrap this one up with the thought experiment. Yep. So on 160 thought experiment, if it wasn't for contaminated thinking, we discover that every day be, brings a one-to-one -one match of time and enterprise. Consider the curious statement, then reflect on the assertion that if it weren't for contaminated thinking, you'd find every activity you undertake to be engaging, absorbing, and fulfilling. Even washing the dishes. 100% mm. agree. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. When I read that, what I what came to me was this truly doing things for the sake of it, not for the sake of what, what may come from it or what, what you've got on it or whatever. It's just like I'm doing this thing for the... Yeah, the the actually being in the activity or not necessarily an outcome, I guess. So they're very so very held up on the outcome. It's funny. I've I found in the last year things like raking leaves in the yard in the fall, and then now in the spring cutting the grass. Like I used to think of them as annoying chores that I had to do, and now I just I don't know. I I don't think about anything really when I'm doing it. I'm just enjoying kind of being out there in an hour can go by and um, it's just been enjoyable. Like, And at the end, I mean, my yard looks great. So I guess that's a, an added bonus, but um, yeah, my attitude towards it has definitely changed in the last year. Yeah. Well, you said just my, my comment, you know, washing the dishes and I suddenly thought, well, why, What's so wonderful, or what could even be become wonderful about washing the dishes? Well, I was wondering if perhaps there's some kind of again. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but like inner guidance that would naturally bring a human being to want, you know, sanity, san sanitary, sorry, sanitary cleanliness, hygiene, um, you know, no moldy food, because it would be a, a in, in a certain sense, it, it has a sense of survival in, in the good sense of the word survival. Mm. So it would make sense to wash the dishes and be happy doing it. Like it's just you're just doing what what nature would want, as, as Bateson said. In that sense, you're actually aligned in a certain sense. Mm. With nature, as perhaps you in the garden, Greg, you know, the... For the new nature to come through, you do need to clear off some of the old stuff. Yeah. You need to have a certain sense of, well, whatever it is that a plant needs to grow because they're, bless them, they're put in an artificial circumstance anyway, but you can kind of help them along a bit. So that kind of alignment in that sense to nature, yeah. which again is all already in us. So we're not actually doing something, not even for the sake of it, we're just doing it because you do. Mm. Struck me as a thought. Hmm. Well, things become to me, they make more sense to do them. Even though, as I am washing dishes and even enjoying it, I'm not even thinking about that. But I'm wondering if it's always something else that's guiding you to do things. Hmm. Or I presume that it is, rather than I wonder, I'm, I'm presuming that it is. Yeah.
And I guess it's also like that's like going with the flow. Mm. Even for something mm. as, as ridiculous as washing the dishes, if, if you like, yeah. you know, it makes sense to do it. I've had this thought kind of uh, related to presence, I guess, where um, I've heard many times people talk about how Sid Banks would always say, oh, this is the best cup of tea I ever had, something like that. And, and it reminded me like, yeah, if you were totally present to every cup of tea you had, you know, you would you would be sitting there holding your your cup or your mug and you'd feel the the smoothness of the ceramic handle or the, the warmth. And as you put it up to, to take a sip, you'd get the aroma and then as you took the sip, you'd you'd be experiencing the heat and the taste and the, whatever the flavor, this, you know, depending on how, if you like, uh, my grandma used to make our tea with a sandy bottom, which was like tons of sugar. <laughs> um, but it, and I was just thinking about like, if you did dishes, if you did dishes in that same way, right? Like you would uh, just be immersed in the all of your senses in the practice of doing dishes, yeah. the feeling, the warmth of the water, smelling the scent of the soap, and yeah, um, you know, even the, the I can just imagine like the there's something rewarding almost about like wiping away the the dirt, the dirt. And, yeah. and and rinsing yeah. it off and the 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 sparkle or the cleanliness. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at washing dishes in a whole new. Yeah. you may have just I changed like, my marriage yes <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel like we put this <laughs> I feel like there's another book coming upon me it's going to be then in the art of dishwashing there you go <laughs> yeah. never mind the motorcycle maintenance <laughs> oh my god yeah oh, uh, oh wow thank you guys Thanks so much. That was fun. That was lovely. That yeah. was fun. That was fun. <laughs>